these, these challenges, they're making me grow. On the other side of the fear is the growth from all the suffering I've developed as a person. And in fact, if you kind of look at an oyster, they don't make a pearl unless a parasite gets inside and attacks it and irritates it. So if you're not uncomfortable, you're not gonna have any treasure. So I really started to kind of catalyze these things in my head that doesn't need to be perfect. In fact, it's never gonna be perfect. Perfectionism just, it just stalls you in so many ways. And it's just, I've worked on myself quite a lot to realize that bringing something to the market yeah. isn't the end. It's constantly evolving. Heroes are an inspiring group of people. Every one of them from the larger than life comic book heroes you see on the big silver screen, the everyday heroes that let us live the privileged lives we do. Every hero has a story to tell. From the doctor saving lives at your local hospital, to the war veteran down the street who risked his life for our freedom, to the police officers and the firefighters who risk their safety to ensure ours. Every hero is special and every story worth telling. But there is one class of heroes that I think is often ignored. The entrepreneur, the creator, the producer. The ones who look at the problems in this world and think to themselves, you know what? I can fix that. I can help people. I can make a difference. Then they go out and do exactly that by creating a new product or introducing a new service. Some go on to change the world. Others make a world of difference to their customers. Welcome to The Hero Show. Join us as we pull back the masks on the world's finest heropreneurs and learn the secrets to their powers, their success, and their influence. So you can use those secrets to attract more sales, make more money, and experience more freedom in your business. I'm your host, Richard Matthews, and we are on in three, two, one. So if that's your superpower, right? Superpower is the interconnectedness and understanding that and helping companies understand that. The flip side of the superpower, of course, is the fatal flaw, right? So just like Superman had his kryptonite, what is something that you have struggled with in the growing of your business, right? That you have had to, had to work on? And I think more importantly, what have you done to work on it? So someone who's sitting in the same situation as you might learn from your experience, um, you know, just for my own my own thing for me, it was always perfectionism. I was one of those people that I wanted it to be exactly perfect. So I would never ship, right? I would, you know, get it to the point where it was ready to ship. And then I'd spend, you know, two, three, four, five, six weeks getting like making tweaks to it and then never shipping it. Um, and I had to learn how to overcome that. So what is something that you struggled with in your business and your growth that, uh, and it's sort of have you, how have you overcome it? Yes, we've been so, working to overcome it. I mean, unfortunately for me as well, it's 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 an inbuilt perfectionism, and it's difficult because I understand the principle of having that minimum viable product, and then bringing it to market and evolving and churning and churning and moving and evolving. But it's it's quite, it's quite difficult, and in some ways that in, that that perfectionism caused me to procrastinate, and then. The, the progress and momentum starts to start, starts to wane. So for, for me, really, it was, it was just starting to accept that it was start now, get perfect later, and actually realize that perfectionism is the lowest, the lowest, uh, lowest rating you could possibly give yourself because your floor becomes your ceiling and you don't have anywhere to move. So what I actually did is kind of started to rewire my understanding of myself and removing perfectionism from the calendar and replacing it with optimism. So looking for that optimal and realizing that I can start at the bottom and gradually garner and improve, improve. And having that growth mindset that it doesn't need to be perfect now. In fact, it won't probably ever be perfect and starting to understand that there isn't any perfect human beings in the world. 
and that my failures in the past are great experimental data to look at, to pick apart, to remove the emotion. Because I struggled to do that, especially in my earlier life. I was very much like, oh, I don't want to look back at my failures because you know they make me feel they make me feel sad. I, I put some of my identity into those failures. And yet what I started to realize is there's real treasure inside every failure that you've made. And it's in many ways it started to work for me through just looking at it different ways. So my life has been it's been like an ECG. It's been up and down, up and down, up and down like a heartbeat. I suppose if it was flat, I'd be dead and so my business. So it has to be has to have those ups <laughs> and downs. I love that picture. Yeah. And I kind of started to realize like actually these these challenges. They're making me grow. On the other side of the fear is the growth from all this suffering I've developed as a person. And in fact, if you kind of look at an oyster, they don't make a pearl unless a parasite gets inside and attacks it and irritates it. So if you're not uncomfortable, you're not going to have any treasure. So I really started to kind of catalyze these things in my head that doesn't need to be perfect. In fact, it's never going to be perfect. Perfectionism just... It just stalls you in so many ways. And it's just, I've worked on myself quite a lot to realize that bringing something to the market yeah. isn't the end. It's constantly evolving. And you need to be agile and dynamic. And if anything, the current situation that we face today just shows what happens if you try and perfect something before you release it. You'll be here, all, you'll be here until you pass away. And you'll be on your deathbed wondering why you didn't release it. It would be your biggest regret. Because your biggest regret are going to be the yeah, things that yeah. you didn't do, not the things that you did. So if it's not perfect and it doesn't work, that's fine. You'll have learned something. Put your lab coat on. Just think of it as data to use for the next time. And with so much value to take from the past failures to use in our future pursuits. And I've not. I've got these successful businesses. I've learned more from the failures, <laughs> and it's so true. <laughs> and I kind of think that you, you, in a similar way, have gone through those processes. You've decided to call things a day at times. You've looked and gone back and tried again. And but there's not. There's no easy way. People think entrepreneurialism is a lovely system that you could buy for a two two thousand dollar course, and they'll tell you how to get rich and how it all works, but entrepreneurialism really is as anyone will tell you a, a lot of it's about timing about luck about leveraging other people's hard work and a bit of a sprinkle of you on top and that's what entrepreneurism is it's complex it's challenging and there isn't any easy way to package it up but there's lots of lessons in your life that you've lived so far and in your journey and if you can really align into that and see you know where do you bring the most value because it, it's that that you you have a gift somewhere you have that superpower and you can utilize that to bring value and as you really start to get clarity on that then there's lots of other business processes that people are amazing at out there leverage their skills to do take their superpowers into your business and you can continue to do more of where you bring the most value and where your superpower is and that is how you'll become almost like a superpower team a superhero squad smashing through <laughs> disrupting traditional industries and being agile and dynamic and running through the city saving the world 
That's awesome. Yeah. And that's probably one of the coolest quotes I've had on the show so far And is, you know, life is like an ECG, like a heartbeat. There are ups and downs, but flatlined, you'd be dead. I love that. I'm probably going to turn that into a quote card and send it out for everything. But, uh, but I, I do, I really agree with you. The, the idea that uh, failure or that perfect, perfection is the lowest standard that you can hold yourself to because it doesn't exist, right? There's no such thing as, as perfectionism. So you can't, if you're trying to hold yourself to something that doesn't exist, you're holding yourself to nothing at all, right? So ship and improve, right? That's, that's the message. Um, and I love it. So my, my next question for you then, I want to move on a little bit and go into something that has to do with your, your customers that you work with on a regular basis. And I call this your common enemy, right? And common enemy being like when you bring on a new client or you go into a new client's business, there's probably something that you run into over and over and over again every time you go into a new business or start working with a new client where you could just like, if you could just wave your magic wand and make that thing go away you would get them better, cheaper, faster, higher degree of results. You know, it's that thing that you're constantly fighting against, banging your head against the wall, your common enemy, so to speak. What is that for you in your business? Well, if you can imagine me going and standing in front of boards and pitching, the common enemy is one particular board member who is incredibly difficult to attain both financial and agreement buy-in. So that onboarding process like I can naturally go through and give the return on investment of my programs and explain the longer-term benefits. But naturally, there's always going to be one particular board member who just looks at me and says, that message doesn't resonate with me this way. And it's about actually finding a way to then work with them. And that sometimes actually involves me delivering what I do to that management board first so they, so they get it. So it comes to them. And when you say that question, quite often people say, oh, does that employee in the middle of the office who always complains, brings the rest of the team down, been here for 20 years. And so they always think that that's the person that I need to go and sprinkle the magic wand on. But actually, the one employee who's been there for 20 years who still cares enough to complain has a point because they're still there and they're still yeah. complaining. They've not just died in the corner. So it's so funny because when, 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 when you're talking, they're always like, oh, that, yeah, he's the mood hoover. He brings everyone. He's the person who's not engaged. And yet they've always got something very relevant to say because they've been saying it in the head and they're still saying it. So if they're still saying it, it's so relevant. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that, that is a common challenge because you have to be very careful with your wording. Many businesses see well-being as fluffy, as not a particularly good investment. And you need to really be clear on your communication and what you're looking to bring. Different industries have different challenges. And even different employees are in different industries have different challenges. And it really is it's about looking at their problems today, but also helping them understand what are your problems for the future. Because if we start to prevent them today, you're the one who's going to be still standing when things get challenging. And that's kind of looking at a more forward-thinking culture, at sustainability, and at how to become a beacon for employees wanting to come to you. You want to attract the best in the industry? Well, the best way to get that is to get your culture so positive that your employees become your recruiters. They go to your industry events and say, it's amazing to work here. 
And all of a sudden, the best people in the industry come knocking on your door. When people are coming and the latest group of, you know, innovative, young industry people come in, they're coming to you. You're the ones who are treating people well. You're the ones who are forward thinking. You're the ones who are looking at what companies in California are doing. And you're not being like here in the north of the UK, we're probably seven years behind implementation on what they do on the cutting edge in California. You're actually doing that today. You stand out. In some ways, you're almost become, you know, you're not conforming. So you look like you're an oddbod. You're out there. But people like that. And when people come to interview and say, well, what, what do your business stand for? What's its purpose? Why is it bringing? You can say that clearly. People like that. People like the ability to answer that question because that then aligns with their purpose. They feel that I come into a culture that fits with them, a company that's going to value them as soon as they come in. And they then come in and hit the ground running because as we gradually move through the world and automation and biotechnology comes in, those technical skills are slightly less important. And those transversal skills of emotional intelligence, cognitive flexibility, the ability to communicate effectively are becoming more and more important. If you can embrace a culture which develops that, you're not only future-proofing your business, but you're future-proofing your workforce and you're making them more agile and dynamic. For times like this, when we have pandemics which force everyone to go and work from home, sometimes for the first time in their whole career. And yet, if you've fostered yeah. that, if you've fostered that culture, that will stay in some ways. And you find that yourself with a digital team. You have to work that bit harder to get that culture across. And yet, because yeah. of the where you, you do business, it suddenly it works because you actually have the vision of your employees and what they want as well as what the business needs. So, so my question for you, which I think would be really a practical application for a lot of entrepreneurs listening to this, is the ROI that you're offering to companies is not a tangible, hard ROI, right? It's not like you can say, hey, if you, put, if you hire me to do your Facebook marketing and you spend $100, we'll return $200 in profits, right? You're talking about a soft ROI, whereas like, if you develop your, your, develop your employees and you develop this culture, you'll have you know, better workforce, better outcome. Like you have, you have things that are, are not tangible, hard number ROIs, which is a more difficult thing to sell, right? It's more difficult mm -hmm. to sell something because, you know, when, when we sell, sell stuff in the marketing space um, and, and a lot of other, there's a lot of businesses where you're selling, you know, time at a discount or money at a discount. And it's a really easy ROI discussion to have with a business owner, right? And business yeah. owners and board of directors, they buy things based on ROI. So when you have a soft ROI, like what you're talking about, that doesn't have a tangible like, hey, if you, you know, if you improve your well-being of all your employees by 10%, your profits will go up 20%, right? You don't have those kind of numbers because um, they don't exist. So how do you go about the messaging for selling a soft ROI? Like what's, how, how does that happen for you? Okay. So, I mean, it's quite interesting because there, is, there are no tangible figures from a number of studies and I can utilize them where needed. So... The study by Deloitte showed that well-being strategy implemented, it's $5 to every dollar spent, which is naturally quite powerful. But what is more so is that when they looked at that and went more granular, a bespoke well-being strategy, so not like a cookie-cutter, this is your health assessment strategy, can give up to $32 for every dollar spent. So that's quite a powerful set of figures to pull wow. out 
when you need to. <laughs> and it can be, you can really show how that bespoke wellbeing strategy can turbocharge lots of different parts of a company. But with, with, with a softer ROI, sometimes it's quite difficult because you have to get that buy-in and that understanding that this initial investment, so in some ways it'll feel like a short-term loss, will create that longer-term gain. And that can be sometimes, it can be difficult to communicate, but you have to be very clear and really speak to their problems. So it requires that bit of investigation to find out what is what are the stones in their shoes that they really need to take the shoe off and get the stone out? What are the challenges of their workforce? Different departments might have significantly different challenges, but it's that bit of investigation to really dig deeper because when you're speaking to a company about the problems and you're solving the problems, the ROIs become a little bit less important because solutions sell and then people sell. So you've got to go in there and show that you're a problem solver. You're a solution maker. And you need to, you need to make them understand, almost visualize that future. You need to take them with you. And almost, sometimes it requires story. Story is very powerful in generating that understanding. I, I tend to use stuff from NLP. Yeah. So get them <laughs> thinking about feeling where they're going and take them on that journey. And I naturally use quite a lot of visualizing language and just use that yeah. to gradually pull them towards where I want them to go. And then as you kind of getting them slightly off balance, you hit them with some figures or hit them with something that's hard hitting. And that just, again, shakes and knocks them out of the patterning that they quite often get for, oh, this fluffy thing that we don't need. I'll just pat him around the head to make him work harder or shout at him or give him a disciplinary. And it's just like, it's, you have to just knock people out of the patterns a bit and then bring them back <laughs> yeah. to reality. And does, I, does that? Yeah. I, say, I tell people, uh, like in the sales process, because you mentioned uh, um, storytelling, and I, I talk about the, uh, um, uh, what do you, what, what's my, I can't even remember the word I'm looking for it now. It's, it's, the paradise, right? You have, you have the, I, I say there's, there's a crocodile infested river, which is like the problem that you have. Yeah. And you have the, the promised land on the other side. <laughs> and you have to tell people what life is like in the promised land. Yeah. Right? And you have to give them a really good visual idea of like, here, this is what, not, not, this is not what it looks like to have your problem solved. It's what life looks like after the problem is solved. That's important in the sales message, right? To show people, this is what it's going to look like to live in the promised land. Um, anyways, it sounds like you're a, <laughs> you're doing that already yeah i mean it's it's really something that it requires a little bit of practice and you become more dynamic and able to, to tailor it and personalize it to who you're dealing with as you become more skilled but it's something that looking and understanding marketing understanding storytelling and understanding processes it's something that can be in some ways turned into a process You've just got to kind of look at it that the process gives you a great framework to work on and they can be dynamic within that process just so you're not too rigid. Because as soon as you get a bit rigid and a bit <laughs> a bit too structured, it can lead you to find yourself going down holes that you're struggling to pull yourself back out of. But for many, for many entrepreneurs, it's a really powerful skill that you should, you know, look to get. And there's, there's so much information out there 
but I'm sure Richard's stuff is very powerful. Um, and I could I could heartily recommend that you will be able to help any entrepreneur who's looking for that kind of thing. So my next question for you then is the flip side of the common enemy, right? So if the common enemy for you is the uh, is the the people that you have to fight against to change their mind, right? And we talk a little bit about the uh, NLP and sales messaging you use to deal with that. The flip side of your common enemy is your driving force, right? Common enemy is something you fight against. Driving force is a thing you fight for. All right, so just like Spider-Man fights to save New York or Batman fights to save Gotham or Google fights to index and categorize all the world's information, what is it that you guys fight for at Essentialize, right? And your, your mission statement, so to speak. Yeah, so we actually fight for a happier, healthier world. And that seems so big and so fluffy and not a smart goal in the slightest bit. And however... <laughs> In so many ways, that is that is what I want my legacy to be. Like when I'm dead in a casket, I want people to stand out my eulogy saying, Lee, he was a bit out there. He wasn't neurotypical, but he leaves the world a happier and healthy place than he came in. <laughs> and I love it. A happier, healthier place. Yeah, and it, and it's just I just realized that if we just looked at things in a more in, in, interconnected way just slept a little bit more and ate a little bit better just moved a bit more and at work we just had a bit more care and a bit more appreciation well that that turbocharged that and spread that across the world and like we said when that happens at work well work and life not really to be balanced it's to be integrated again so you've got life and you've just got life if you're trying to balance life and work in two hands not got any hands to pick up a book and learn anything new. Not got any hands to fall onto when you fall over, which you highly likely will at some point in your life. And it's just realizing that, and I'm sure you know, as you live the lovely mobile business existence that you do, that your business fits into your life. You've just got life and it's just life. And that life is our mission. What's our mission? To get towards our potential, to be happier, to live a fulfilling life, to be aligned with who we want to be and help others. I mean, that's really in many ways what many people want. And they kind of look at it and say, I want this and I want that and I want that and I want that. But usually it comes down to helping people, being happy and getting close to being the best person that you can be. And in so yeah. many ways, if I can help people do that, I'm looking to impact the world because I know that every person that I help to do that they will help other people because as soon as you empower, other people become empowered and then they spread that empowerment. And it's, it's just giving people the responsibility and the permission to be them sometimes. Because yeah. we live in a world where so many people are told what to be from such a young age. You are this, you are clever, you are fat, you are brown, you are, you are going to be a doctor, a lawyer or a failure. <laughs> There's so many things that we carry from our childhood that then become limiting beliefs, barriers and glass ceilings for what we can truly be. And for me, it's just about helping people to break those down, to get more energy and time to do the things that they love and just find out who they want to be. And being authentic is so important, but the root of the word authentic is offer to write your own story of who you are. Everyone has the ability to do that. 
Absolutely. Right. One of my uh, driving forces in life has always been to leave it better than you found it. Right. Yep. That's whatever it is. It doesn't matter if you're visiting a park and there's trash on the ground or there's a person that you're walking by who needs a smile on their face. Yep. You know, how can you leave it better than you found it? So um, I, I don't think that is too high of a, a lofty of a goal for your business is to to leave a happier, healthier world. <laughs> yeah, that's what we have in front. It's a big statue that I've smashed into millions of pieces and I'll do one every day. So my next question is more practical for you then. Um, I call this the hero's tool belt, right? Maybe you got a big magical hammer like Thor or a bulletproof vest like your neighborhood police officer, or maybe you just really love how Evernote helps you organize your thoughts, right? I want to know top one or two tools you use in your business to that you just couldn't live without today, right? Whether that's something you use to manage your clients or do your marketing or deliver your core products and services to your your uh, your clients something that you just you use every day you couldn't live without top one or two tools you use in your business right wow um can i can i say that love <laughs> is it one of my tools <laughs> i think you absolutely can oh yeah so so it's, it's definitely love because i have a i have a range of people that i collaborate with to deliver additional elements so we come together in a modular build and that is a great way of amplifying our direction. And, and that really comes from a place of love because we actually deliver and we don't have massive specific contracts. We actually share revenue, which is massively important. And that's, those people, for me, we all fuel each other on. And really, it's from a place of love. And in so many ways, I love this podcast because it's about heroes. Who doesn't love heroes? And I'm sure you've looked at what the root of the word hero is. So what is, what is the root of the word hero? So it's, it's originally from ancient Greek, and the, it comes from the word heros, which means protector. And the special tool, weapon, is not a sword, not a shield. It's love, the strength of two. <laughs> I love it. I had never heard that before. Um, so that's a, uh, that, that makes it even a, a cooler, cooler name. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and within, within my business practically, in so many ways, I've been using Zoom for quite a long time. I've delivered online, online conferences, online speaking, spoken to educational establishments, and now I'm using it naturally more than ever. And it's a powerful tool for delivering a message, but it's also allowed me to expand my reach out further as I gradually spot more and more people outside of where I can physically be. And I think having that digital, physical, hybrid delivery is really important. And again, the digital element is important in the embedding process. So when I'm not there, the messaging still continues. So in so many ways, I use Trello an awful lot to control both elements of my business and the collaborators. And it's simple, it's easy, and I like things that are simple, clean, and easy. I'm a minimalist at heart. <laughs> so I'm with you. I use Zoom all the time, and we use Trello a lot. I actually just finished a training on how to build business systems with Trello, which I've happily shared with you if you're interested in it. Um, but yeah, the uh, uh, I I love the idea that uh, that love is your most powerful tool. 
Um, and thank you for the uh, the little Greek lesson. I, did, I actually studied Greek in college um, as a uh, as a Bible scholar, so I, I learned a lot about Greek and everything. But hero is not a uh, typical biblical term, so it wasn't one that I had in my uh, my repertoire. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of heroic tools, I want to take a few minutes to tell you about a tool we built that powers the Hero Show and is now this show's primary sponsor. Hey there, fellow podcaster. Having a weekly audio and video show on all the major online networks that builds your brand, creates fame, and drives sales for your business doesn't have to be hard. I know it feels that way because you've tried managing your show internally and realize how resource intensive it can be. You felt the pain of pouring eight to 10 hours of work into just getting one hour of content published and promoted all over the place. You see the drain on your resources, but you do it anyways because you know how powerful it is. Heck, you've probably even tried some of those automated solutions and ended up with stuff that makes your brand look cheesy and cheap. That's not helping grow your business. Don't give up though. The struggle ends now. Introducing Push Button Podcasts, a done-for-you service that will help you get your show out every single week without you lifting a finger after you've pushed that stop record button. We handle everything else, uploading, editing, transcribing, writing, research, graphics, publication, and promotion, all done by real humans who know, understand, and care about your brand almost as much as you do. Empowered by our own proprietary technology, our team will let you get back to doing what you love while we handle the rest. Check us out at pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero for 10% off the lifetime of your service with us and see the power of having an audio and video podcast growing and driving micro-celebrity status and business in your niche without you having to lift more than a finger to push that stop record button. Again, that's pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero. See you there. Now back to the hero show. So my next question for you then is about your own personal heroes, right? So just like Frodo had Gandalf or Luke had Obi-Wan or Robert Kiyosaki had his rich dad. Who are some of your heroes? Were they real life mentors? Were they speakers or authors, peers who were a couple of years ahead of you? And how important were they what you've accomplished so far in your business? Okay, so this is going to be a lovely and controversial answer, but I don't have any heroes. Awesome. Yeah. So my question then is why? So. <laughs> It's, it just seems to be something inbuilt within me. And I'm not, and I'm very, uh, I'm very different than the average person. But so many times I've had the question, who do you look up to? Who's your hero? Who's your idol? And to be honest, nobody comes to mind. I suppose ultimately it comes down to the fact that there's only one me on this planet, on my own journey. And... I have massive appreciation for people who've gone on a journey similar to me and the people who give me advice along the way. But I've started to realize that actually advice isn't as powerful as encouragement. Encouragement's a lot more powerful. And the people around me encourage me, but I don't see them as heroes because truly we're all heroes. And therefore I don't see anyone as a standout hero for me, I just see everyone around me as heroes following their own path and hopefully being true heroes, developing the strength for two, showing that love, not only to the family and to their employees, to the friends, but to those people out there on the street, the grocer at the store, the people they walk past. And it's just those moments of positivity resonance that, give someone a wave, a smile, 30 seconds just to ask how they are. And those little moments of acknowledgement really build up to create happy, healthy people. And in so many ways, 
I don't think any human being is a hero because we're all heroes. <laughs> I, uh, I I like the like the thought, and it's one of the things that uh, that has come up a lot on this show is that there's always someone who is um, who who is impacted your life with encouragement or impacted your life with with uh, you know lifting you up or things like that, and it's it's the realization I think that your life and the way that you live it, right? Like you've mentioned having the strength for two is you don't know who's looking up at you as a hero because of the impact you've had on their life. Um, and as you go through your life, if you're living, living such a way that you deserve it, right? <laughs> that, that, it, that, you know, um, one of, one of my mentors as a, uh, as a, um, when I was younger, used to say all the time, he said, your kids are going to have a hero, right? They're going to have, an influencer, so to speak. And it had damn well better be you. And his point was <laughs> that if you don't act and live and love in a way that is worthy of being looked up to, you're not going to be, right? And for me, it was a really important thing for, you know, I've got four children now, um, that I wanted to be that kind of person. Yeah. Um, so anyways, I, 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 think, I think we're probably in agreement on that. It's just a, a different way of looking at it. Yeah. <laughs> so last question for you. I want to bring it home for our listeners in a little bit and talk about your guiding principles. Top one or two principles or actions that you use every day um, that you think contribute to the success and influence of your company. Maybe something you'd wish you'd known when you first started out as an entrepreneur. Um, I actually say that reflection is absolutely massive. Like the ability for me to take a period every day where I step back out of being in the business and look at the business. And that's something that I didn't do when I was that initial young entrepreneur hustling with my head down, pushing on, seeing the figures rise, but not looking up at the bigger picture. And in so many ways, the way I see it, that video game business, I, I climbed a mountain building that only to get to the top of that mountain I look and realize it wasn't the mountain that I wanted to climb. It wasn't, it wasn't my mountain. But all that journey, it, give, it equipped me with some understanding and some endurance to actually start climbing this mountain that I'm climbing today of that business, essentialized, that's actually bringing change to the world and really fulfilling my own purpose. But what I do now is every time I get to a base camp, I stop, look, and reflect and that's every day where I'm looking at my guiding principles. And in the morning, the first thing that I do is look at my little icky guy card on the side of my bed. It just reminds me why I've woken up and what I'm here to do. And before I jump into any work, I actually carry out my morning routine and spend time with my children to have that actual love with them before going into my business and trying to make a difference. Because in so many ways, they fuel me to make the difference that I'm making. And I know that if I can make a happier world for them to grow up into, then I'll possibly be a hero to them. So a couple of things that I think are really cool there. One of them that it, it has popped up in a lot of interviews um, on this show, and that is you have to know the monster you're building, right? And, and when it refers, reference to your business, you called it, you know, you're climbing the wrong mountain, but it's the idea that 
your business needs to be something that you 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 want it to integrate into your life. It's a part of your life. Yeah. And so you have to you have to want the result that it's going to bring. Right. Not everyone wants to build an Apple computer and the sacrifices that come along with building that. Right. Not everyone wants to build a, you know, like what I've got, a small marketing agency with that gives me, you know, location independence and that kind of stuff. But it's never going to be a huge multi-billion dollar business. So you have to sort of know what you're building and why you're building it. Um, I think that's really important. Um, The second thing is the idea that you're um, you're building your business. for like for your children right that you're you're actually you're let me see if i can say this properly the thing that i've believed really really powerfully and i think it's even more important now with all the things that are going on in our world is that the best way that you can impart change on the world is to raise up the next generation well yeah right and there's probably nothing more powerful you can do than to raise up the next generation um so anyways i i love that and i love that that uh, it's a huge motivation for you and your business so that basically wraps up our interview um i do want to say thank you so much for coming on the show i do have one last little thing we do on all of our episodes it's something i call the heroes challenge heroes challenge is really simple and it's basically this do you have someone in your life or in your network that you think has a cool entrepreneurial journey who are they first names are fine and why do you think they should come share their story with our audience so I would nominate for the hero's journey, David Wetton. He's a conscious leadership implementation coach and consultant, and he's become enlightened on his own journey. And the real benefit is he's been doing this and speaking about this for 20 years since the days where he would be considered a complete spiritual anomaly speaking about this in the early millennium when it wasn't considered to be spirituality and business didn't consider to be interlinked if anything spirituality wasn't allowed in business it was just a blockade and in so many ways his story of, of the change that is changes that he's made and the, the the things that he's done and the world he's navigated in so many ways very very powerful and i think he would, he would be a, a powerful story to bring on because he has a wealth of experience, but also he, he has got those heroic elements inside of him. Awesome. Yeah. So we'll reach out later into about connecting him and getting him on the show. So last little thing, um, where can people find you if they're running a company and they're looking to, to bring in someone like you, where can they find you? And then I guess more importantly, who are the ideal types of clients to reach out if they're listening? Say, you know what, I would really like to reach out to Lee. Who are those people? What sort of, you know, red flags should pop up in their head? Say, yeah, I should call Lee. Yeah, so you can find me at leechambers.org. And my real special client, the one that should come knocking on my door, is if you've got a small to medium-sized company, 50 to 500 employees, and you're looking to move towards a more healthy workforce, but you're looking at actually building something greater than the typical business you've got, you want change you want to transform, you want to disrupt the industry, and you actually want a company that is looking at the future and starting to implement that today. So industry-wise, generally work with more creative companies, but given the diversity of the companies that I've worked for, I can really implement in lots of different areas. And really, 
it comes down to you wanting to change. If you're ready and receptive, then you're my perfect client. Awesome. So it's LeeChambers.org. And Lee, thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing your story with us. It was a pleasure to have you on. Before we hit that stop record button, you have any final words of wisdom to share with the audience? I'd just say, care for your employees. And if you're an entrepreneur, don't be scared of failure. Just do it. Don't be a perfectionist. Minimum viable products. Get it evolving. Move you heard it, him. Ship your product. Yeah, thank you for coming on. <laughs> thank you.